Hello, world. This is Bob France, co-host of the wonderful podcast Dork Trek. My first comic book is on sale now at comic stores all over the country, all over the nation. That book is called Monty the Dinosaur from Action Lab Entertainment. Get your copy now. It's in stores. And on sale this coming Wednesday, new comic book day, the 28th, is issue two. Issue one, issue two. We've got two issues. That's pretty cool. So you can go to any comic shop in the country and tell them that you want Monty the Dinosaur in your pull. If you haven't picked it up, you should. It's been reviewed very well online. People seem to like it. It seems to resonate with people. It's an all-ages book about a dinosaur and his human friend Sophie, and they have fun and silly adventures together. That book is in stores now, issue one. Issue two will be out on the 28th of September. Issue three will be out in October, and the trade paperback. That's right. I will have a trade paperback will be out in November. So go to your local comic shop, order the books. Please, 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 please order the books. It's a labor of love. I'm really proud of the project and I want you to see it and read it and enjoy it. That is Monty the Dinosaur from Action Lab Entertainment in comic shops now. The following is a special Dork Trek production. So um, this is Dennis and I. Uh, we are recording a special podcast. Dennis's wife is in Turkey. That's why we're recording this podcast. Now, how long are your wife and children in Turkey? Too like, long, man. Too long. Do you have an ETA on when they're coming back? Uh, some, a few weeks. Okay. Um, well, what we'll do is uh, if they don't come back soon, we'll hire the A team to go get them yes, and bring right. them back. Yes. Yeah. If we can find them. We could hire them to go to Turkey and get Dennis's wife and children. They are, they are the back home. <laughs> Hey, fool, Dennis wants you to come home, sucker. <laughs> he misses his children and your vagina. Mm. So, uh, I love it when, your pe- when my penis and your vagina come together. <laughs> hey, fool. So this is the first episode of the a-team i guess this is the pilot and there's not there's not a theme song there's no. nothing that that you know and love as the a-team face isn't even on the a-team at this point yet there's some other guy yeah um i don't yeah, know that, the, was, that was disappointing like i didn't i didn't know it at first you know i i always thought dirk benedict was face yes that's what i remember i remember the pilot i was so i have no idea who this clown is yeah yeah me neither um you only saw him in the first two episodes because i looked it up the name of this episode it's a two-parter i only watched the first part i'm not gonna lie to you i didn't watch the second part oh really yeah you missed out i like this i mean like you can record a different day no 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 we can just do it as two separate episodes i'm fine with that yeah okay um, Tim Dugan plays Lieutenant Templeton Face Man Peck. And um, he was on the this show for the first two episodes. They replaced him in the third episode. They thought he was too young. 
The creators of the show, Frank Lupo and Stephen J. Cannell, wanted Benedict from the start, but they were overridden by the network. So the, ne- the network wanted this guy. Uh, and they brought in Face and uh, the Face that we all know and love because they thought this guy was too young. And I could see that. He does look too young to be a lieutenant. Yeah, but, you know, to be honest, I thought he was all right. It was okay. He wasn't a bad face, man. I just kept waiting for the real face to show up. <laughs> like, like he's uh, going to pull off a mask. Yeah, like he's that good at this that he's faking it. But the episode starts in, I guess, Mexico, because there's a lot of brown people speaking yeah. in really bad Spanish accents at each other. And I want to say that the lead Mexican fellow was in El Guapo's group of bad guys. Well, three. you know, this whole this whole episode seems like the inspiration for Three Amigos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I want to say one of the dudes was in Three Amigos. I think the main guy, the guy yelling at him, I can't get the guy's, anybody's name, any of the actors' names from this show. Oh, I don't think, was it Valdez? Was his name Valdez? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Sergio Calderon as Valdez. He was in The Heist, Pirates of the Caribbean. I want to say he's been in more stuff. I want to say he was in Three Amigos. He had a very Three Amigos vibe to him. Um, maybe yeah. I just... Oh, I know who he was in uh, Men in Black. He was the the alien that was with the illegal aliens in the back of the truck at the beginning. That, of the movie. That's right. He was in that. He like was the, he, the robot. Head. He, he played Jose at, in men in black. Yeah. The very ugly Mexican guy. He was also, he was also um, in pirates of the Caribbean at world's end. The one that nobody saw. He was captain Villanueva. Um, he was in little Fockers. Uh, he played Gustavo in little Fockers. I thought he was in three. I thought he was in three amigos, but I guess not. Maybe he was uncredited. Maybe, perhaps. I thought he was, but now I'm sad that he's not. But yeah, so this episode, I guess it opens like they're yelling at people and telling people to come out and come out. We are going to take you, so and so. Al Masi, Al Masi, come out. <laughs> I want to kiss you, Al Masi. That's very good, Dennis. And uh, no, Al Masi. Uh, it was very bad by him. Yes, it was very bad. But he, I mean, they looked like they were uh, cocaine-crazed Mexican lunatics, which is very stereotypical of the day, I guess. And he was, come out, Del Masi, we're going to get you. Yeah, Masi, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, which I guess they're supposed to be marijuana farmers, which, why are you, dude, why are you so high-strung? Come on, man. We got the angry weed, Del Masi. (laughs) Hey, man, Dave's Del Masi's not here, man. No, man. I'm El Massey. No, man. El Massey's not here, man. Uh, but yeah, so they were doing that whole thing. And then all of a sudden, like, this car just shows up. And the car just runs roughshod right through this village. And, and I got to tell you, Dennis, I was in. Like, I was like, all right, this is cool. Like, the show's been on for all of four minutes. And there's already, like, threats of violence and then a car chase. You know, in the first four minutes of this of this TV show, and the car is driving all around, and the Mexican guys are chasing the car, and they're chasing the car, and Dave's not here, man. And all of a sudden, the car crashes, and some old white man gets out. Like I thought, he got lost on the on the Los Angeles freeway or something, and he's just kind of 
Uh, yeah, I was looking. I was like, "Is that Hannibal?" No, that's not Hannibal. Who yeah, I thought I thought it was going to be Hannibal too because it would have made sense as a way to introduce him because this seemed like a very A team predicament. You know, there's there's a damsel in distress. There's a gang of angry weed dealers. I guess I guess it didn't say they were weed dealers, but it was implied that they were weed dealers. Yeah, and uh, and this well, I, be- I don't think they say it until later. Yeah. Like, be the second episode where they no, see i didn't see the second i haven't seen the second part i haven't seen it. like you know like if i think if this was made today they would have started with an 18 caper as a way to introduce the main characters yeah. of the series yeah but it's just kind of weird that in this one I, I don't even think we see any of them until like 10 minutes into the episode yeah like they and do the fr- this part and then they go to the newspaper yeah because yeah because and the funny part is the way they're introduced is they're just polaroids yeah like they, 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 we go to the newspaper house and there's a young reporter yelling at her editor about we need to find this guy whose name escapes me. What was his name, Dennis? Uh, Al Massey. The reporter? Oh, her name? Uh, Amy Adams. Yeah, Amy Adams, I believe, is her name. But what's the Amy name? Allen. Yeah, Amy Allen, that's it. What was the name of the reporter guy, her friend that she, they, they want to find? He's not Al Massey, is he? Yeah, yeah, it's Al Massey. That's who they're looking for. Then, okay, all right, then I'm confused. All right, so Al Massey shows up, and, uh, I mean, so the lady is yelling at the, the the editor guy, and he's like, look, man, this dude's wife just died, and she's real sad, and he's a great reporter, and the editor is much like every editor. I think in order to be an editor, to be an actor who plays an editor, you just have to be grumpy, because every editor I've ever encountered in any form of television, comic books, um, movies. Very white. Yeah. J. Jonah Jameson. Just angry, no. grumpy fellows. Yeah. That's just what they do. They just yell at people all the time. It's like yeah, editors. You're the editor. Yeah. <laughs> this is back when newspapers actually meant something. Yes. You're screaming at people. You're yelling. Editors and police chiefs. That's all they do. It's just, they just get people to yell. They, yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. That, that reminds me of, uh, so I married an axe murderer. Because one cop watched after the yell at him, calling the office and yell. We just don't do things that way. (laughs) And I, I, you know, one of my favorite police chiefs that yell at people in movies is um, Axel Foley's boss. Yeah, because he looks like a low rent James Brown. (laughs) Like he's just struggling. Motherfucker, I told you. (laughs) He's just. (laughs) Axel Foley. I don't know what kind of horseshit you tell those guys out in L.A., but you better. But back here, Foley, you still want my job. I love that you guy. You wrecked the Ferrari. <laughs> I love that guy. He's my, of all of the yeller police chiefs, he's my favorite. Like he and uh, Paul Reiser are in maybe 25 minutes total of all the Beverly Hills Cops movies, but you remember them both. Yes. Like, they leave a, a memorable impact. Uh, him, Paul Reiser, and Serge. <laughs> Serge is also great. I love Bronson Pinchot. He's awesome in that Malky, Malky, Malky Bartokamus. But yeah, so um, so she's just getting in his ass because he's not being very nice, and you can tell that Amy is a big fan of El Massey, and she's. Well, I think he, he he basically says he stuck his knuck out for this guy a few times, and it turns out that he's really just you know hung over somewhere. So he's like, yeah. you know, he'll turn up in a couple days. Don't worry about it. I'm telling you, this is bad news. He got in with a bad crowd, and now bad things are happening. And the editor is just yelling at Al Massey and I'm not doing anything for Al Massey. He could suck it. 
and f- fuck him and fuck you and you're getting two weeks off, Amy. Half pay. Two weeks off. Half pay. And so... She was already getting paid half of what the men were getting paid, so it's yeah, I mean, yeah, really so tough for her. She's not making anything. She's going to have to go back to stripping. Yeah. Where's that episode? <laughs> yeah, well, that's why she goes to the Kit Kat Club or whatever it's called at 2 o'clock in the morning. She's there to meet the A-team, but if that doesn't work out, she's going to get a job at the Titty Ball. Yeah. Let's see your titties. Let's see that narrow ass on the pole. Baby. Yeah. Baby, play with your titties, baby. baby play with your ass. Melinda Kula. Coming up to this page, we have Triple A. Yeah. Triple mm, A. Amy, Amanda, Allen. Yes. Mm. So, yeah. So, this happens. And then uh, I guess she leaves, and then all the reporters clap because she stood up to the mean editor. And then some weird, mousy looking guy's like, Hey, uh, I heard what you were saying. Uh, I got just the guys for you. And like, okay, so then they go off to some These like guys are gonna run a train on you to make <laughs> you feel a lot better. <laughs> See what you need is some dick, baby. Some dick. <laughs> and I got lots of it. Here are the pictures of the men that are gonna give you that dick. So they three white guys. One of them's old, and we got a black guy just to be a little scary for you. Yeah, you know, to make it some kind of fantasy thing you got going on, baby. I know how you liberal white chicks work. You wanna do dangerous things, scare your parents. I wonder how many 18 sex parties there were in the mid 80s. Oh, dude, I'm having one right now, Jet. <laughs> I had to, I had to leave. I just took off my, uh, my, uh, my Hannibal gloves, <laughs> came downstairs, and figured I'd record this podcast because I don't want to leave you hanging. Because I know you know you're probably not doing much, you know. And I, I figured there's three guys upstairs that can handle it. Oh, I'm sure there were definitely 18 poor. Hey, fool, get up here, Hannibal. We need your help. <laughs> he, he took elephants over the mountains. Ain't nobody ever thought about taking no elephants over the mountains. And he took the elephants over the mountains. And he defeated the Roman Empire, you understand? Don't they teach you nothing about Hannibal in school, suckers? Mm. Don't go stealing no hubcaps. So, yeah, so they have that uh, conversation. He's like, yeah, there's these guys, and they did some bad stuff, you see. But uh, they didn't really do it. They were framed, and now they're on the run. And uh, people like you who need um, who need this kind of thing can hire them to do yeah. these kind of tasks. I don't understand why she just can't go to the police. Um or the State Department, or, you know, there's sort of like official channels that will help out in this situation. Yes. But I guess that could take a really long time to, you know, you got to run it up the flagpole and see who salutes, if you will. But you know what? I bet it won't cost $120,000. Uh, 150 I thought it was. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a lot, but she said, you know, she could get the money or whatever, but she a lie. Yeah. That's why she had to go to Kit Kat Club. Look, you, look <laughs> now all I need is 149900 and ninety dollars, because <laughs> I just do a lap dance. Yeah. But yeah, so she, um, they show her all these files. I don't know why they have all these files at the newspaper. Like, I think this guy is like the agent of the A team. Like, he gets them work when people need. Well, them. I mean, I guess if the A team is operating in the Los Angeles area, then maybe the newspaper is trying to find out more information on him to do a story. So you're saying this could be like Batmany, like. Uh, Vicky Vale kind of thing where yeah they're waiting to go to print but they need more information okay 
substantial. But this dude knows everything about the A-Team. He knows where they are yeah. and who they, you know, what they do. And you know, this guy's a mechanic. Their nicknames? Yeah, this guy. He's got like the fucking baseball cards. This guy's yeah. known for punching superior officers. And he's also really good at driving and making things. And yeah, this dude. Mechanic. This dude. Yeah, this dude is batshit crazy. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And so they, we, should, we see them all, and we learn about them briefly. Again, which is weird. That the first- uh, Colonel, what, Colonel Lynch that's chasing them? Yeah, and uh, the Lynch mob. And it's weird that the first time we see them is in pictures. It would have been cool, like you said, if we would have seen the A-Team from the jump off. But whatevs, I didn't write the episode. But if I did... I would have got it a little bit going more because I mean it's kind of a it, the beginning of it kind of drags. Yeah, I think I think the whole point of this scene is so they can get Hannibal in the Aquamaniac suit for the uh, <laughs> yes, which is forward. which is really fun because yeah, uh, I I remember it every time I think of Hannibal I always think of the Aquamaniac. <laughs> this, I didn't know what it was from, but I always you know you see it every night when you watch the show. Yep, this is the this is the first time you see Hannibal. He's wearing like this big rubber. Godzilla slash creature from the Black Lagoon suit and they're filming a movie and he opens it up and it's Hannibal and you're like what I don't remember Hannibal being this jokey or kind of I thought he was a, a serious fellow like a very serious guy like into- yeah, a colonel in the United States Army come yeah, on now he's wearing a rubber suit like a goofball so yeah, holding his breath underwater <laughs> yeah because they're filming a movie or something like they're filming a movie and Hannibal's the best guy at holding his breath in a rubber suit. I don't know. I don't know well, why. Because Han- the last guy got brain damage from doing it. Yeah, but why? What makes Hannibal like? It's not like in his dossier when we were learning about him at the newspaper uh, uh, offices. It was like, yeah, this is Hannibal. He's a real badass, and he can hold his breath really long underwater too. That was the last piece of information they were waiting for him to print. <laughs> we don't know how long he can hold his breath. We need, that's all, we, we've heard rumors. We don't know how long he can hold his breath underwater. Um, so we're just waiting. We're just waiting to print. And once we find that out, we're going to print. Because we don't want to print half-truths or falsehoods here. You know, we got to know everything. That, that's true. We'll be crucified. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll never win the Pulitzer for this A-team story. So, um, so, yeah, so that's going on. And before he gets back in the water, and he's got the Hannibal cigar and all that stuff, and which I think is funny because he's talking about holding his breath while he's smoking this giant stogie. So all this happens, all of a sudden you see like this old, like it looks like a, I don't know, like an old British car, like, a, like an MG or something with no roof being driven by Mr. T and some other guy. <laughs> I'm not really sure who he is. Like, Who's this guy? And so they yeah. show up and they're like, uh, Hannibal, we got to go. I'm like, well, well, I got to film this scene. We can't leave. I got to do this. And he's like, no, we got to go. We got to go now. And they look yeah, up at the a colonel. Room. The colonel just kicked in uh, B.A. Baracus's apartment. They came to my place. Now they're coming for you. Yeah. And so they are uh, on our tail. So what we did was we led them directly to you. So, hey, sorry. About that. <laughs> Um, I mean, you would have gotten away, but hey, we got to all go down together. We figured that, yes, exactly. Um, we're a team till the end, and uh, we could have led them in a different way. We could have sent them somewhere else. We could have we could have split up at some point, maybe. Yeah, maybe created a diversion of some half, but no, we led them directly to you, and there they are. <laughs> and so you look up and you see um, a dude who kind of looks like uh, Jackie Gleason from Smokey and the Bandit. And he's like, we're going to get you, varmints. And then all of a sudden, we have a car chase. And it's yeah. cool because we have a car chase in, a, uh, in the lot of a Hollywood movie studio. Yeah, it's basically driving around Universal Studios. Yeah, which is kind of fun. And uh, while, while all this is happening, Hannibal is wearing a, a giant rubber monster suit. 
So this really has it all. I mean, as a guy who loves car chases and giant rubber monster suits, like I was in heaven. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Like I couldn't be, you know, and I'm also a big fan of uh, dubbed over dialogue because you can't see the actors. So you just hear voices because that's what they would say. Oh, (laughs) so you just hear Mr. T's booming voice. Um, I I really enjoyed this scene. I'm not going to lie to you. I really did. I will say though, like when they they do the uh, Red Sea crossing, yes, <laughs> he's just like he's daring them to come across the water. He's like, oh, oh. <laughs> what Dennis is talking about is come get the Aquamaniac, <laughs> come get the Aquamaniac. Because they are at uh, like a movie studio, they have like a, a parting of the Red Sea, which is from Charlton Heston's film uh, uh, The Ten Commandments. So they have this at the lot at the studio. And of course they show, because of course there's a tour going through while the car chase is going on. And Cause I mean, you know, if you're going to have a, if you're going to have a car chase in a movie studio lot, there has to be a tour. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's they a, even point out, they're like, Oh, if you look to the left now, you can see the Aquamania <laughs> in the back of a vehicle. Everybody waves and claps and stuff. And it's just all the, it's all the great action movie tropes, like everything. Like the only thing that's missing is a guy carry like two guys carrying like play glass that they drive through, like the, 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 the orange the, cart. Yeah, the orange cart and the crates and the, the the fruit and vegetables and stuff. But everything else is there. So they go through the they they part the Red Sea for the tour, and then the A team car drives through it. And then all of a sudden, Lieutenant Massey's car stops. Or not Lieutenant Massey, but Lieutenant whoever his name is. I don't fucking know. Yeah, Colonel, Colonel Lynch. Yeah, he, uh, Jackie Gleason from Smokey and the Bandit stops. And he's like, oh. And they have this weird kind of standoff where like, is he going to turn the water on? Is the car going to be able to drive through? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it's all kind of for naught. Like, you know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. They try to drive the car through, but Hannibal turns on the water and then the car gets, the car gets flooded, and like every A, oh, the girl almost drowned. Ah. Like yes, exactly. Like every A team car chase, um, bar fight, shootout. Uh, the the everyone escapes unharmed. Yeah, which is cool. It's very GI Joe. They just get wet clothes. Yeah, just wet clothes. Just wet clothes and oh man, you know, it's like wacky races, you know, because you don't you don't feel like this is a dangerous situation. You know, you don't feel like these are wanted men by the, the government or the the army or anything like that. It just it feels like Blues Brothers with a guy in a rubber suit. Like they might as well be driving through a mall, you know, like it's got that vibe to it, you know. Anytime there's um, an early '80s car chase. I just think Blues Brothers because that is the the pinnacle of '80s movies car chases. You know, because I mean they drive through the mall. I mean, every, the last half of the Blues Brothers is just a chasing. You know, where they're driving through the city of Chicago, and but yeah, so this is like that, but a guy in a giant rubber suit and some guy they're calling Face Man who ain't Face. No. Now, did did that throw you off at all? Because you said you were okay with this guy. I mean, he grew on me, I would say, which is bad because he's not going to show up ever again. <laughs> no, he's good. Well, yeah, he's in the first two episodes and that's it. Like, I mean, at first you're like, what the fuck is going on here? So immediately going to Wikipedia and finding out, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's a different dude. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, there is, there is something very comforting about Dirk as face, you know? Like, 
we all knew him. We all loved him. Like that was it. Nobody remembered this guy, you know? Yeah. Nobody knew that this was pretend face. Everybody knew that face was the handsome blonde guy. And then we yeah. see. I think uh, Dirk Benedict was a uh, Starbuck in the original Battlestar Galactica. So that's how everybody was. He's a big star at this time. Yeah, indeed he was. But again, they wanted uh, him from the jump off. The creators wanted him from the jump off, but didn't happen that way. Yeah. And we got stuck with this guy who, again, I think skews too young because he's a lieutenant in the army during Vietnam. This guy looks like he's all of 24 years old. Um, and this is in this is in the what early eighties. Vietnam ended in you know late seventy four. So that's there's at least probably ten years. So this guy was fighting in Vietnam at thirteen. Like he yeah. got his first pubes and shot his. First- they didn't know how to cast people for age back then yeah. because actually I saw The Natural was on TV and uh, Robert Redford who was almost playing <laughs> a guy who's supposed to be thirty four. Yeah. It's just like no. see, but I'm okay with that. I, see, I'd rather have people too old than too young because that's my that's my problem with the CW TV shows is that everybody's yeah. too everybody's too young. They're all too young, you know, and they're all too good looking. They will have abs. It's like yeah, it's okay to cast somebody that's over the age of like forty. And they all like uh, they light it so that or they put drops in their eyes or something so their eyes are all dilated to make them look more like no <laughs> eyed and everything so they look even more handsome and more beautiful. Uh, yeah. Oh, Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. That's where I first noticed it because I never really watched any CW shows, but I watched, the, I watched Arrow. I was like, all oh, their eyes are dilated. What, what's <laughs> going on? They're all, they're all tripping balls. Yeah, maybe. They're all fucking tripping balls. I'm so high. <laughs> so, yeah, so they do their goofy shit. And then um, this is where I guess we finally meet um, – because three-fourths of the team is already together. We haven't met the crazy man yet. Yeah. Yeah, so Colonel Lynch goes to check up on him because I know – I just saw the other three guys. Let's see what this guy's up to. And he's being banana balls. Yeah. He's just being cray-cray. Yeah. You know, he's just being cray-cray. Um I wonder if – when I was watching this, and I know this is TNG coming back to me, but I wonder if Data – um uh, audition for this role because I could totally see Brent Spiner playing uh, um, Crazy Man. Yeah, yeah. Because he's just overacting to the tilt. Like he's he's like Robin Williams, crazy kind of like Mork and Mindy, Nanu Nanu, talking to himself and very Probably exactly what he told him is like, hey, yeah. these are some albums of Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to them and uh, imitate them. Just do this a lot. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to get paid like Robin Williams and you're not going to be famous like Robin Williams, but this is what you're going to need to do to get this job. So just act as much like Robin Williams as possible. And two, uh, without the cocaine. Yes. Without the co and, and, and the hairy forearms and two Dwight Schultz's credit, the actor who plays, uh, what's his name? Um, Howling Matt Murdoch. Yeah. Matt Murdoch. I was trying, I couldn't, his last name, I just couldn't place it. It was just, it was on the tip of my tongue. Murdoch, it's pretty good. Like he's, he's, but he's annoying. Yeah. I was immediately annoyed by Murdoch. And I yeah. thought to myself, like, I hope he doesn't act this way the entire series. <laughs> well, I think he does, but I think it's better when there's BA to kind of play off. I'm like, shut up, fool. <laughs> <laughs> I hate your guts. Oh, yeah, good. 
I'm going to kill you, cracker. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you get the feeling like at any moment, Bibrak is just going to pull out a buck knife or a bowie knife and just jab off. him in the throat. Yeah. I hate your fucking guts. I wish you would die. Hey, sucker. You a damn fool. I hate you. I hate your, I hate your family. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to fuck your skull. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we can dial that back a little bit. This is network television. I'm sorry, Soko. And please, I'm the director. Don't call me Soko. Sorry, Mr. Soko. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Soko. That's I'll direct my fist into your face. How about that? <laughs> that's, that's better, 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 better. I know you're a big star and all from Rocky Three, but you got to dial it back a little. Hey, was, he, was Rocky Three out yet? Around the same time, yeah. Like this is this is all kind of concurrent. Like Mr. T is exploding at this point. Like, or if it's not getting ready, if, if it's not exploding, it's on the cusp of yeah. Mr. T being. Because yeah, this came out in January twenty third, nineteen eighty three. And so Mr. T starred in Rocky Three in the same year, I think. 1982, actually. Yes. So oh, this wow. was... I didn't realize that movie was that old. Yeah, 82, May. So this is about a year after Rocky, maybe, yeah, eight months, 12 months. So yeah, 10 months. So yes. What a, great what, a, what a great film. So yeah, I mean, we could go on all day about the, uh, the merits of Rocky Three as a, as a film. Maybe one day we will. It's the, the greatest boxing movie besides um, uh, Raging Bull. Just because Mr. T is so believable. As, I haven't seen Raging Bull, so I'll take your word for it. Uh, it's great. It's a great, but it's a, it's a film. Like, it's real film. Like, hey, Rocky Three is a film, too. <laughs> Shut up, old man! And I will say that um, Mr. T is a great actor. I don't think he gets a lot of credit for being such a tremendous actor. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a one note actor, but he, he plays oh, that note. God what, a, what a fucking note, man. Yeah. You know, what a note. I mean, Rocky three made, and this is in 1982 in the box office made $270 million. Oh my God. That's like $3 billion. Today. <laughs> yes. In in nineteen two thousand and sixteen money, that is a cabillion majillion dollars. That's before internet buzz. <laughs> yes, that's just because he's fucking great. Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how he was not on the negative side. Mr. T was nominated for a Golden Raspberry. I don't understand that. He's great. Now there's there's nothing bad about his performance. No, it's so spot on. Worldwide grossing $270 million. It earned $125 million in North America. That is fucking insane. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. $1982. Yes, in $1982, that's like a, that's, that's more money than anything ever. (laughs) Yes. It's like gone with the wind type money. Yeah, so this is Mr. T blowing up because he was doing Mr. T, the TV series, I guess the cartoon or whatever. Yep, the cartoon. The cartoon was the cartoon was in '83. He was in Different Strokes. He was also on Alvin and the Chipmunks, and then the A Team. So 1983 was a very busy year for Mr. T. That was the apex of his life. Yeah, so no, because 84 was good too. Because what, 84, he was in the Dean Martin Celebrity Roast. And then he was also in a video called Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool, which I would love to see that. 
It is Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool is a 1984 motivational video hosted by Mr. T and distributed through MCA Home Video. The production drew strongly on new wave and R&B culture of the mid-80s to appeal to children to respect elders, avoid peer pressure, build self-confidence. It featured and showcased emerging talent like Ice-T, Fergie, a uh, new edition with Bobby Brown. Yes, this is probably where the song comes from. Treat her right. Yep. Treat your mother right. The, uh, the synopsis. Be Somebody touched upon uh, about a dozen key points. Shyness, roots. Uh, Mr. T says, you can't know where you're going if you don't know where you're from. And that's he explains the symbolism of his goals, chains, anger. Uh, Mr. T tells kids to use their anger, not lose it, but fails to fully employ when a fly continues to bother him. I don't know, frustration, styling, peer pressure, recoupling. That's weird. Um, re- no, recouping, excuse me. Okay, recouping. Creating, treat your mother right. So this is where treat your mother right came from. Okay. I bet this video is probably on YouTube. Oh, we've got to find it. Yeah. And then Mr. T was also in 2000 to 2000, 2011, 2013, he started a TV show called World's Craziest Fools. <laughs> I'm going to guess that was like on court TV or it was, TV. Yeah, it was a, a rough cut TV for BBC Three presented by Mr. T. It showcased BBC. Clips. Wow. Yeah. Yes, big black and it uh, showcased clips, sometimes viral, of people making themselves look like fools. <laughs> uh, the and videos are. Of course, he had the, uh, the Snickers commercials yes. where he was like in a tank shooting Snickers at yeah. the flamboyantly uh, yeah. gay man. Yes, and <laughs> it was just awesome. And then we also have the. This is from Mr. T's World's Craziest Fools. The videos are shown in different categories, such as parking fools, drunk fools, Workman fools, criminal fools, assorted fools, and fools jumping off stuff they shouldn't be jumping off of. <laughs> this sounds like the best show ever. I like assorted fools. <laughs> That's an assorted fool. This week, we got assorted fools, fool. Oh, and there's also an album, Mr. T's Commandments. This came out in 1984. All right. Um, no dope, no drugs. You got to go through it, Mr. T's Commandments. I wonder if that's like the 10 crack commandments, Mr. T's Commandments. I wonder if this, we got to find this. But yeah, Mr. T was very, 83, 84, 85, 86 was a good time to be Mr. T. I want to say he's before his time because if he became famous in like 2006, he would, he would be ruling the world right now. Like The Rock or something? Yeah. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be all over the, uh, the whole media landscape. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, he's still pretty, I mean, you know, he's still cool. Everybody loves him. World's craziest fools. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> World's craziest fools. Oh, we got to find that. Yeah, there was definitely a drop off in Mr. T activity uh, from like 90. Yeah, it got bad, but he's still great. Um, yeah, Mr. T. So yeah, so anywho, um, where are we? We totally lost track because we were just singing the praises of Mr. Yeah. T. But I love them. They, they meet up. They meet up after uh, the colonel goes there and gets scared by Murdoch. Yeah, because Murdoch's talking crazy. Yeah. But now that we're in the now we're in the trouble of how are we going to bust Murdoch out because Murdoch is in a mental institution. 
So now that's going to be a thing because that's what I thought to myself, like, how are they going to get him out of here? Because he's in a mental institution. So this might be tough. But where there's, a, man. where there's a will, there's a way. And they do find a way to get him out, but not until we see um, Hannibal, again, who I remembered being very serious and very uh, businesslike and, and grumpy and kind of mean. Uh, he's got to play a uh, dress up because uh, what happens is the nice lady, the reporter lady goes and sees uh, Hal and Mad Murdoch at the, uh, the mental institution. He's like, Hey, I got to find the A team. He's like, all right, you want to find the A team? Uh, meet, meet somebody at the Kit Kat club at 2 AM in the alley. He says, all right. And so the next scene is it's a rainy Los Angeles evening. It's 2 AM and some crazy, you know, vagabond, some hobo, some smelly looking weird guy who look like, um, he was making biscuits and got flour in his face because he's just covered it head to toe in this weird white powdery substance. And he stumbles upon Miss Amy and he's like, oh, I'm a drunk, I need help. I got no way to go. Will you please help me? She gives him 20 bones and uh, the hobo. That's a lot of money. That's like giving a hobo $100. Bitch, you just lost your job. Like you're on half pay for the next two weeks. You can't afford to give hobos $20 for no reason. I mean, a quarter would have been suffice. But she just gave him a 20 spot. And then the hobo walks in. Drink it and smoke it up. Yeah, you know, he's going to do some drugs. Then Mr. T's going to say, hey, fool, should be doing that drugs. You got to go buy some gold chains and preach positivity, son. So, yeah, so then he goes to his car and he takes off his makeup and lo and behold, it's Hannibal. I had no idea Hannibal was such a man of the theater. A master of disguise. Yes, the master of disguise. And this is like, I don't know... I have to watch the remainder of the series, but is this a common theme for Hannibal? Like, I remember the gloves. I remember the cigars. I remember him yeah, fighting. I don't remember him dressing up. It, like, I always thought that was what Face was there for. Like, yeah, me too. Face of the operation. Yeah, he's the guy, that the front man who goes out and does all the dirty work, the schmooths talking, you know, kind of used car salesman guy, but Hannibal's doing all this stuff. Yeah, I thought Hannibal says he makes the plan and then everybody else goes and does the plan. Yeah, but no, he is a, he's a performer. Like, he loves it. And then, and then he goes to the car and he sees his 20. He's like, wow, thanks, Miss Amy. And he's like, but let's see what you got from Mr. Lee. And you're like, what is he talking about? And the next morning, Amy's sleeping in her car and she hadn't been murdered or raped or beaten or killed, which is good because she's not in a safe part of town by any stretch. I, I don't know why she just didn't. Club is there. Yeah, I don't know why she just didn't go home, <laughs> which was also kind of weird. She decides to sleep in her car uh, and she's awoken the next morning by a strange Chinese, Japanese fellow, I guess. I don't know. You insert your Oriental, you know, oh, stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. He's this is an Asian American here. We're talking. This guy's Oriental. Oh, hello, Miss Amy. I am Miss Oe. Oh, you move your car now. Call in bad spot. You'll have to move car. And she's like, "Hey, man, uh, I got a fucking headache. I was <laughs> waiting for these guys all night, and they didn't show up. So I just slept in my car, like most people do, because that's what I do. Like if I'm supposed to meet people somewhere in a bad part of town at night at two o'clock in the morning, and they don't show up, I just sleep in my car." Because I don't want to miss anything. Yeah, what if they show up? <laughs> yeah, you know, what if they come? 
Like, I got a really bad headache. And do you have any aspirin? He's like, no, I don't have aspirin, but I have ancient uh, oriental herbs to cure your headache. And they bring her inside. And of course he's working at a, at a, at a dry cleaning place. Like, of course yeah. he is. Like, it's a dry cleaner. Yeah. And we he, do martinizing. Yes, we do many things. I get stayed out of your shot while you wait. And uh, he makes her some tea. And he says, so you want to hire a team? And she's like, how do you know about the A team? And he says, oh, I know many great Chinese proverb yeah. about the mercenary teams. This is basically the uh, the Yoda when Luke meets Yoda the first time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but not Yoda, uh, a kind of uh, offensive. Like if, yeah, if Yoda was dressed up in a racist outfit, like Yoda. <laughs> yes, essentially, yes. If Yoda had glasses on, Mace Windu. Yes, if Yoda had glasses on and big buck teeth and was going, "Oh, hello, so sorry to see you." Oh, yes, me, Mister Ch- I only know Asian from Bug Bunny. Yes, oh, me no have a good time with you tonight. Uh, me so right ready. Uh, yeah, so it's real bad, and 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 this is a cringeworthy moment, I would say. In 1983, it's it's I guess it's passable, um, but in 2016, it's. It shows its date a little. Oh, yeah. so sorry. Me make a, you have a 18. Oh, so. And, so, and then she says, yeah, I can get the 18. You know, I, I, I have stocks and bonds in my house and I can raise $150,000 for the 18. And he says, oh, that is a lot of uh, tea in China. I get you 18. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, they, and she leaves. And she leaves. And then, which is another strange scene is B.A. Baracus sitting in his junkyard, um, fixing cars, hanging out with children, and listening to like a Dr. Laura style program. And lo and behold, the person who calls the Dr. Laura style program is an 80 year old woman who's complaining about the way her sister is treating her, but it's really. Hannibal, Hannibal. <laughs> and, and this is the way Hannibal chooses to communicate to be a Baracus uh, yeah. through the radio. Yeah. He's a, it's, yeah, a thousand voices. It's, it's all very strange. Um, and, and you know, they're talking and he's like, well, I just need someone to come pick me up at my house at three 30 today. And, you know, BA gets the message. like, all right, kids, I got to go. Uh, make sure you do your homework, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and don't steal no hubcaps. Uh, I'll see you later. And then he leaves, and then the A-team is formed, but we're still missing a key uh, member of the team. There's no Howlin' Mad Murdoch. Yeah. This, that scene was strange. I just don't understand why he just doesn't call B.A. Um, he has uh, – and how did he know B.A. was going to be listening to this Dr. Laura-style advice program? <laughs> is it just a weird it's, it's like you gotta go in the personal ads and you know, the first letter of every line you know, <laughs> so is this now again is this something the a-team does regularly to communicate with one another they call and talk radio programs and you know it reminds it reminds me of a scene in like a, a movie where a, a married guy and his wife go to a bar and they pretend to not know each other and he picks her up or something for you know to the thrill is gone so they have to do kinky shit to get each other off and I guess this is He's got a fake mustache yeah. she's got a wig on. <laughs> 
oh, so, so sorry. Uh, me have to call the talk radio show to make my wife uh, have a sex with me. They go, <laughs> super racist Asian stereotypes. To <laughs> each other. Oh, you're very sexy lady. Oh, oh you're very sexy man. Oh, you turned me on very much with your big American breasts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to suck on them <laughs> and build a railroad to your house. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so then Mr. T leaves to go pick up Hannibal, and then they come up with the plan to get um, Howlin' Mad out of the loony bin, and it's just, it's not even really a good plan. It's just face dressed up in a military uniform saying like, Hey, I got to get him out of here. Cause he's got to be reevaluated. Okay, great. That's it. Like, that's it. Like he's supposed to be this, this wonderful liar, this almost Fletch style kind of bullshitter. And the story is just like, Oh yeah, I just got to get him. And she doesn't carry yeah, the way. Colonel, colonel guys told me to come here and get him. Yeah. The Colonel. You want to call the Colonel? I don't want to call the Colonel. Colonel Sanders is going to be pissed off cause he's got chicken to make. So uh, you need to get him the fuck out of here or he's going to be real mad. And she's like, okay, whatever. I don't care. I'm getting paid either way. What do I give a shit? <laughs> like, fuck, fuck him. He's a pain in the ass. And they make, he makes up this weird story about his uncle or something. And he was, an, he was an ammonia salesman. And that's why he hates ammonia and all this other stuff. And it's just really strange and kind of poorly done. And I will say at this point, the episode is kind of dragging along because yeah. like, we the A team's not even together yet. This has been like 25 30 minutes of the first hour show and they're not even all in the same place. They're still being collected as we speak. But um, they were already yeah. together. They were already in the car chase and then they dispersed. <laughs> yeah. All this just to get Howlin' mad cuz he can fly anything. He's the greatest pilot in the whole wide world. He flies helicopters and jets and that's it. I can't think of anything else really to f- like he pilots. Cause, yeah, paper airplanes. Yes. Because uh. <laughs> BA is a mechanic and a driver, so he doesn't drive a car, but he flies. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So then Face gets him out, and Face is driving some weird Cadillac um, that looks like it was owned by the big rich Texan on The Simpsons. And he says, sure enough, that he swindled some big rich Texan out of the car. And now he's got to go do another weird character to get the plane. Cause they don't even have a plane yet. Yeah. So they go, just their costume budget alone is going to eat up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Like, good Lord, man. Um, yeah. So they just show up at this, um, this plane purchasing place. And then to be fair, I don't even know where you would go to buy a plane, uh, but the they airport? just, I, no, it doesn't work that way. You have to, you buy tickets to get on a plane, but you can't go to an airport and go, I want that one. And they go, oh, sure. Mr. Delta, I'd like a DC-10. <laughs> and can you fly this thing? Oh, no, I just want to walk around. That's what happens when, when flights get canceled. Somebody bought the plane. That's exactly. I'm sorry, sir. Your plane was purchased by that man over there. <laughs> but, yeah, so they go to the airport, and uh, now um, – uh, face is pretending to be a lot of acting, a lot of acting, a lot of acting. Yeah. He's pretending to be some kind of like cowboy oil merchant who wants to buy a Gulf stream for his family. And um, the pretty salesperson says like, yeah, sure you can fly. He's like, well, before we buy it, I want to take it for a spin. Yeah. And she's like, sure, that's fine. 
do you need a check or something? And she says, no, your credit's good here, sir. So immediately this poor girl's going to lose her job because they go to Mexico and that plane's gone. So she's going to lose her job and maybe be prosecuted. And so now the A-team is going to have to have a mission to get her free because she's going to jail. This model. They get people in trouble so they can then have to extort money out of these people to save them. Yeah, the A-team will come save you. But you guys got me in this problem anyway. No, no, no. no, no, no. That was some Texas guy. Yeah, that, was, that was Big Rich Texan from The Simpsons who has OCD. Uh, That's why they had to replace this uh, Tim Dunnigan guy because he had already burned too many bridges. <laughs> like, look, we need a different face because your face sucks. Yeah. yeah, so um, so they steal a plane, and um, now we find out that Mr. T doesn't like to fly, and Mr. T hates Howlin' Mad Murdoch, hates his guts, and he's like, I, t- I thought we wasn't getting that fool, we going to the airport, and in this scene, we realize that Mr. T is the dumbest human being in the entire world, because there's planes flying around, and he, he you know, Hannibal's taking it to an airport, but he's like, we ain't going to no airport, sucker, and how long have they lived in Los Angeles that he doesn't know the neighborhoods around the airport? <laughs> but it's more frightening than that. To me, Dennis, is um, while he's driving the car, Mr. T, B.A. <laughs> Baracus, uh, Hannibal decides to give him a shot of Novocaine in the back of his neck yeah. that, Mr. Yeah. That, Mr. that Mr. T doesn't feel. Um, yeah. that he has, he has, but he, <laughs> to be fair, okay, all right, fair enough. He has no reaction to it. And, but he's still driving the car. So like he's now, he's now roofied. He's now date raped B.A. Baracus. Oh, ooh, I feel like I'm sleepy. <laughs> I feel my pants coming off again. I don't understand what's happening here. It's like a... And um, they proceed to date rape drug. Uh, Novocaine make you sleepy though? Apparently in 1983 it did. <laughs> I guess if it's directly in your neck. It's a, if you shoot it into your spine, <laughs> then yes, <laughs> Novocaine will indeed make you sleepy. Okay. Uh, but I guess the Novocaine's a safe one to use because, I mean, everyone has interactions with Novocaine. Like, it makes you numb. Yeah. You know, like, like, you see Novocaine, but then you think dentist, you think sleeping, you know, sleeping gas or whatever. Yeah. So it tricks you into thinking that Novocaine's going to make you go to sleep. Yeah. You think, uh, I'm going to wake up in a dentist chair with the guy's cock in my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> oh, tucking his shirt. Oh, you didn't have to knock me out. I just would have done that if you asked. You're, oh, here with some more Novocaine. <laughs> you're, you're a dentist. I'm sure you make a lot of money, and I wouldn't mind being your side piece. Uh, <laughs> you got a nice cock. What can I yeah, say? I mean, you know, it's not the worst one I've ever oh. seen. It's the richest one I've ever seen. Do I have to pay for this? Um, yeah. I mean, I could have fondled your balls if I was awake. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to go all weird on it, but whatever. You know, whatever cheeses your macaroni, friend. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so they knock uh, Mr. T out, and he's saying, like, because uh, this is all because he doesn't want to fly or he hates Murdoch. Like, it, or it's a combination. It's both. It's both. Yes. So he's like a really angry John Madden. Like if John Madden hated the guy that was going to fly his plane, this is what they would have to do to him every week. So they shoot him full of bull bull tranquilizer and they get him on the plane and they fly to Mexico. Makes sense. Yeah. They just so follow a, uh, they don't even know how to get there. Like, <laughs> can't figure out which way is south. They're like, no, no, we'll just follow. Like, yeah, like, I don't understand. Like, they don't know where they're going. 
but like yeah. they had don't they have maps on the plane and stuff like shouldn't there be maps you know because <laughs> <laughs> that that that, that, that whole sequence kind of lost me they're like well how do they know that plane's going to mexico yeah, and it's going to just fly right over where they need to go. Is that the plan? Yeah, mm-hmm. Like, what if that plane is going to Shanghai? <laughs> so then they're going to try to fly this plane over. And well, I mean, they did say, you know, this blah, blah, blah is going to Alcapoco at this time. So we'll just follow the plane. That's really flawed but, logic. Yeah. What if it's le- delayed? <laughs> yeah. Like, what if it doesn't? What if the plane crashes and you guys don't know? Yeah. And who, how did they get enough gas to go to Acapulco? Like, that seems like a lot of gas. I mean, who filled this thing up? I mean, they, I guess, well, I guess the, the cover story was they were taking it to Texas. They were going to take it on a test run. But I don't understand why they just did pretty fun. Why didn't they just buy a plane in Texas? Like, that's what I would have said. Like, well, they, motherfucker, they sell planes in Texas. These rich dudes there, uh, J.R. Uring lives there. Like, I know they got to make some planes up in that motherfucker. So, no. No, 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 no. We want your planes. <laughs> We want a California plane. Yeah. California. I wish they all could be California planes. The California planes is real nice. Yeah. The the Texas planes, not so much. They're not nice like this. Nah. Uh, cowboy hat. Yeah. You know, kind of racist. I'm not really into it. Um, but yeah, so I don't get this whole scene. So they just, they just follow another plane to Acapulco where they're going. Yeah. Well, now I guess to their credit, I guess like this supposedly the uh, first episode, the A team aired right after the Super Bowl. So this is already pretty late at night. So people's logic meter is probably not very strong at this point. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, they're going to Mexico, whatever, you know? So the writers are just like, who cares? We, they'll follow the plane. If anybody asks, they follow the plane down there, you know? So. Yeah, it still doesn't work for me. I don't understand. Whoa. I just don't get it. That's all. I just don't get it. I just, I mean, I don't know why they don't have like the guy can fly a plane, but he doesn't know where he's going. Yeah. And how did they get back home? <laughs> they, just, they just wait for another plane to fly back. <laughs> so, so they follow this airliner to, um, to Mexico. But then I guess while they're en route, BA starting to wake up and then the plane the 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 airliner realizes that it's being followed, yeah. and they're weirded out by that. So they have to lay it. There's no rearview mirror on an airplane. Like, how do they? Find I don't know, uh, Dennis. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and they like, oh well, BA's waking up too. So we got to turn lay. right, turn right, turn left. <laughs> yeah, they're following us. <laughs> so they realize they're being followed, and BA is waking up, which I don't know which they're more afraid of. Um, but BA's waking up, so it's like, all right, well, we got to land here. So they just land, and they're talking about like a film commission, which is weird that I don't understand. Uh, and again, yeah. the A team's not even technically together yet because one of the members is knocked out on Novocaine, so like they're not even working as a full unit yet. Um, so they're just kind of flying on this plane, and like they go, okay, well, the film commission is here, and we have to do this, and. Uh, we got to land the plane. Uh-oh, the tower's mad at us or something because we're an unauthorized plane landing. Okay, let's go into doctor mode. You take this, and Hannibal's now a doctor, and Mr. T is having a heart attack, and we got to get him out of here. Stat. Yeah. 
and Mr. T was the pilot. Which the pilot is dressed in overalls and red t-shirts. <laughs> He's dressed in overalls and a gold chain. The pilot had a heart attack. Well, how did he land the plane? There's no time, man. <laughs> yeah. Autopilot. We gotta go. There's no. T- didn't you see airplane? Stryker did it. I don't know. Get the hell out of here. But we got. We need this car. Where's the hospital? And the guy's like, it's two blocks on the left. Okay, great. We're going to the hospital. And then they then they drive away. Yeah, they just leave the plane there. Yeah. Yeah, they just leave the plane there. Like, they're never going to get this plane. How the hell are they going to get back to Los Angeles? They don't even know where they are. Like, how do, how do they know where they landed? Like, that, like it, it just doesn't make sense, man. But it does because it's the A-team. And so yeah. they, they just happen to be directly in the spot where they need to be Yeah, to figure all this out. Yeah, obviously within driving distance of, of this place. Yes. So then they say, okay, well, they, oh, that's right, because then they twist a watch. They change the watch. They're in a different car, and they move up Mr. T's watch, and they say, oh, man, we've been in the car for 26 hours, Mr. T. It's Friday. Uh, you, were, you slept the whole time. And I, he slept 26 hours because he had, as, as they try to trick him into believing that he had a panic-induced coma or something. He passed out. Uh, like some kind of anxiety ridden episode and he passes out when it comes to flying, but then he sees Murdoch and he's like, get out of the car, you cracker. And he's like, you ain't driving this car nowhere, sucker. So then Mr. T starts driving, but he believes it's Friday. Like he's convinced that it's Friday because they changed his watch. Yeah. yeah. Which this is good. Poor guy. Yeah. This poor guy. Now he believes he, uh, he's both living a day forward in time and he has a psychological disorder. That <laughs> And he's not worried about it. No, he's just oh, like, okay, I'm glad I woke up. It's Friday. I slept for 26 hours. That's cool. Um, why are we in a different car? <laughs> Who's this white woman? Why does <laughs> my butt hurt? <laughs> <laughs> why doesn't her butt hurt? I don't get this. Um, but yeah, so they're in a different car and they're in Mexico. And they go to, they say, where's the best hotel in town? Like, well, it's the princess. All right. So they just show up at the princess hotel and face runs into the hotel with uh, Howl and Matt. And he's like, hey, um, I'm here with 20th Century Fox and we need our rooms. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he pretends to be some movie guy. And then I guess it works. Yeah. Because that's like the, he said, Farrah Fawcett and, you know. Lonnie Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like insert starlet. Of the yes. Day. Insert 80 starlet of the day. Uh, Farrah Fawcett, Lonnie Anderson, I can't remember. Bo Derek, I think, was the other one. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, and it's like we need their rooms because we're making this movie in Acapulco and uh, yada, yada, yada. And if this um, and this poor bellboy, because he's just some bellboy. He's not the manager of the hotel. He's just looking for bags and trying to sell guests marijuana because that's what happens at nice hotels in, in strange lands. I know I've been there. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> I was in Jamaica for all of 35 seconds at the airport next to guys with fucking machine guns. And the kid at working at the resort was like, Hey man, you want to buy some weed? I was like, dude, there's a fucking guy over there with a machine gun. Are you fucking nuts? What you, what you got? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, man, you got that, uh, you got that, uh, sticky icky. So yeah. So Mr. T, uh, Mr. And then George Papard, Mr. T and Amy go to some bar called El Toro Loco. And they said, well, this is where some of Al Massey's phone calls were coming from. Let's go check it out. And they walk into the bar and it's like, it's, it's stock casting because you have all these angry Mexican looking dudes. And George Papar yeah. walks in. Hey, and, gringo. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you know, look at me. 
Hey, I mean, there's some tourist bars up the street, and they're nowhere near tourist town. This is, you know, they're in, yeah. it looks like they're in Tijuana, someplace really shady. It's like the, uh, the bar from Desperado with Cheech behind yeah, the bar. Essentially, yes. <laughs> and he says to him, like, hey, you're not wanted here, gringo. And then Amy walked in, too, and she's like, oh, which was a cute exchange. Like, so is this part of your plan? He's like, yeah, no. And then they lock the, they lock the door, and they're like, all right, you ain't leaving, motherfucker. And then yeah. George and George Pard's like, all right, cool. Check this out. Big black dude. And the door explodes <laughs> and, and Mr. T walks in and Mr. T's looking all tough and all the Mexican guys look kind of scared of him, I guess. Um, and Mr. T's a bad dude, but he's in a room. It's George Pappard, who's 90 years old, Mr. T and some little white woman. And you're in a room full of like, at least like 25 Mexican guys. You're in yeah. trouble here, Mr. T. I don't care how bad of a dude Mr. T is. <laughs> And the biggest fucking Mexican ever to live. <laughs> he looks like Eligante from the old wrestling. Like he's just this giant shirtless Mexican guy. And I don't know why they have a giant shirtless Mexican guy in the back. Well, but they do. Just in case a giant black guy wants <laughs> yeah, it. Like, well, our giant Mexican guy uh, counteracts your giant black guy. So uh, that's a draw. So they just kind of look at each other and just start punching each other. And then all hell breaks loose. And then this is where we actually see the worst looking stunt double in the entire world for George Pappard. It's awesome yeah. because George Pappard drops down and does this wicked karate kick, but it ain't him. Yeah. It's, an, it's an awesome wig on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, he gets kicked right through the plate glass window. Of course he does. And now we've got a bar fight. Of epic proportion. And they're just guys flying through windows, guys flying through tables. You know, Mr. T's throwing haymakers, shirtless Mexican guy throwing haymakers. George Papard's being tossed all over God knows where. George Papard's stun doubles being jumped off of bars and thrown into stuff and hit in the head yeah. with bottles. And it's pretty awesome. Like, it's a really great scene. I mean, this is the first episode. We've already had a car chase, an airplane theft, and a bar fight. Dennis, we've had, we've had several car chases. Because, well, yeah, that's true. We had two car chases. Yeah, because if you want to count the car chase in the very beginning, which was short, but still a car chase nonetheless. So we've got two car chases, uh, a, me uh, a Mexican bar fight, and uh, airplane theft. I mean, it's not bad, you know. Uh, and, uh, date rape drugging. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, and... and Horrible racism. Horrible, horrible racism. Oh, be so sorry that you have to win all these races on. So, yeah, so um, they just start fighting. And, uh, of course, you know, there's two of them. Worse for where they get the short end of the stick and they lose the fight. And, but they wake up and they're tied together and there's just a bunch of Mexican guys coming on their faces. <laughs> uh, 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 so sexy. They left, they left Amy alone. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't want you her. You sit over there and watch. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, this is cool with me. This is really homoerotic. Uh, you she know. Starts, <laughs> went out. Yeah, she's clicking her mouse, bruh. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's really turned on by all this. Because, yeah, I mean, it is pretty hot. And then all of a sudden they tell him that, hey, we were looking for um, this guy. What's his name? Uh, El Massey. And he's like, well, oh. I guess they were actually looking for the uh, Mexican reporter that was with him. That guy yeah. yeah, there's just reporters. It's just gangs of reporters. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, I'm the Mexican reporter. I am uh, a Mexican El Massey, and I'm so glad that you've come. Untie them. I don't know why a reporter would run with such a rough and tumble group of 
bar fighters and shirtless men. <laughs> but I guess that's how, you know, Mexican newspaper business works. I couldn't tell you. Um, and so then the episode just ends on Netflix. <laughs> that's it. And he's like, I'll take you to him. And then it's over. Dennis watched the second half of the episode. I did not. Um, we'll review that at another time, maybe uh, next week. But I got to tell you, plot holes being what they were, which I think we've exposed them to some uh, extent, not exposed like we're doing, so like Woodward and Bernstein, like trying to get to the bottom of this. But they were some glaring plot holes. But overall, I mean, I'd say this was pretty enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. I will say um, one thing it's inspired me to do is to go back and give Kolchak another try. <laughs> I started watching the pilot of that one and I just got out because it was too, like, it wasn't moving along the way I wanted it to. It was just kind of 270s. But this one started out kind of bad, too. Yeah, it and did. I know I love it. Yeah. And, but then towards the end, and I'll tell you, the second episode is great. So okay. It just needs some time to, to get its footing and, and then it takes off. So, yeah, yeah. this first episode, yeah. It's... It's slow. It's too slow. Like they needed to get the eight to like Dennis and I were saying initially, the eight team needed to be together at the very beginning. Yeah. Like they needed to be wrapping up a caper or something. Yeah. Like they that. needed to be doing something a teamy. So you kind of knew what was going on as opposed to them being introduced by like stock footage of, uh, you know, their headshots and their, their, yeah. their, their criminal records and military records. But I mean, once the episode got like the car chases were good um, the car chases were killer. Um, Howlin' Mad's a little too much for me. He's kind of annoying. Um, the colonel's kind of dumb. Like, he seems like a useless character. Yeah, really. he's... The Colonel is Jackie Gleason in the Cannonball Run movies. Like, Smokey and the Beta. That's all he is. Like, he's just kind of... Juke, 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 like, kind of that vibe of kind of goofy. Yeah. He's just going to show up just in time to miss the 18. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, essentially. But I mean, I thought the episode was really, the bar for the bar fight was good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I got I to tell you the truth. I really liked it. Yeah. I thought, I, you know what? The rating scale we're going to use here. <sighs> How many ammo clips? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't know. The 18, you know, maybe, uh, one through 26 scale, like A to Z is too much. That's too far. Yeah. Z being the best, A being the worst. But I guess A would be the best and Z would be a the worst. F. We just do A to F, like, a, like you're in school. All right, A to F, yeah. um, A being the highest, F being the lowest. Yeah. I, I'd give it a I'd give it a B minus. Yeah, I'd give it a C plus. Okay, so we're around the same area. Yeah, yeah. you know. I give it a B plus. Lots like, of huge, gigantic plane uh, uh, plot holes to drive a plane through. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, still very enjoyable. It was better than I thought it was going to be. To be honest with you, I thought it was going to be awful. Like I was really not looking forward to it at all. And we haven't seen all of the things that make the A team great. We don't have real face. We don't have the opening theme song yet. There's no A team van. Like, they're just driving around in, like, a fucking Caprice at this point, like a Malibu. No cars have flipped over yet. No, nothing. Um, I mean, we have had, like, again, the, the two cha car chase scenes were pretty good. Um, I just, uh, I want to say B minus. Like, I was, I was pleasantly... I think that's safe, because I'm going to tell you, like, the second episode is going to break the curve. Okay. You we went too high this week. I would have warned you about, about it, but... I think B minus is a safe uh, grade. Yeah, because again, like, 
Not much. I mean, when what I'm saying is not much happened, but what happened, I liked. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I was really that whole, that whole part between uh, the Red Sea and when they take off in the plane, like all that stuff. Too long. Been, yeah, it could have been tightened up a lot. Yeah, like, yeah. They didn't need it. We didn't it, need instead of being a two parter, it could have been a one parter if they had pretty much cut that part out. We didn't need um Hannibal in two costumes as a crazy old hobo and then as the racist Chinese guy. Didn't need that. Um, you know, after she gave him the twenty for the I, I mean he could have just essentially went right back to her and be like, Okay, you know, I'm Hannibal Woody eighteen. Because he did that and then he did the Chinese guy thing and then he saw her again going like leaving work. They, you know, the car shows up and he's like, all right, yeah, you're going to, we talked to Mr. Lee and, uh, yes. Yeah. You hired us. Where's our money? You know? So it was, it was convoluted, unnecessary, but it's, it's also the pilot. So they still have to work some stuff out. Yeah. You know, but I think it shows a lot of, uh, a lot of promise. Right. Like this. I mean, I remember. I, I know that it's a great show, just remembering from my, my youth. I remember loving it as a kid, too. Um, so, I mean, I think, it's got, I think it's got potential. Yeah, I think it's going to make it. Yeah, I think we're going to be happy with this. I mean, again, it could get totally south, and this could be dumb as shit. But I have a, I'll tell you this. I have a better feeling watching this than I did with G.I. Joe. Yeah, yeah. I mean – G.I. Joe was just made to sell toys. Yeah. And so there was always that incentive to watch it to see what the new hot toy to go get would be. So, but like the 18, it's actually for, you know, adults mostly. Really? Or adults with head injuries. <laughs> like, hey, car chases. Well, I mean, it came on in prime time. So like families were supposed to watch the show. You know this know? is the not redneck racist version of uh, Dukes of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a more uh, accepting Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Like it, at commercial breaks, it wouldn't seem weird if some guy said, "Well, it looks like those eighteen boys got themselves into a yeah. fix." I'm not gonna get out of this one. Well, you, I mean, I guess, but that was kind of the. I mean, think about the biggest movies in the theater at that point were Smokey and the Bandit, you know, all that shit kind of cannibal run. So it kind of goes along with that theme. What makes this kind of neat is that the guys are ex Vietnam vets, which for the time Vietnam was still a very hot button issue. So the fact that like these dudes were Vietnam veterans and like they were not, and they were, I don't even think the uh, memorial wall was built yet. Maybe not. So, I mean, this was, this was definitely different. Like this was, you know, having them because Vietnam was still very unpopular at this point. So, you know, these dudes being Vietnam vets is kind of a big deal. That's that's definitely a different take on something. So, I mean, I thought it was B minus. I was pretty stoked. I'm pretty excited to see what happens in the next episode of the a thrilling conclusion to Mexican Sleigh Ride. <laughs> Mexican Sleigh Ride. It's a great punny uh, episode name. Oh yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. So there you go. Hopefully this killed some time for you, Dennis. It killed the the loneliness that is not having your family around. Yes, now I have dreams of B.A. and Murdoch punching each other. <laughs> Fool! I told you I hate that guy. I don't want anyone to be near him.
Yeah, it'll either be that or, or it'll be uh, Hannibal and B.A. being skeeted on by a bunch of Mexicans. <laughs> oh, skeet, skeet, skeet. No, if they don't like each other, though. way, I win. It does. It's true. How do they work in close, such close proximity if, they just, if he openly hates his guts? Like, I don't know. you know? They have a lot, get, Novocaine, I guess. a lot of Novocaine, I guess. A lot of Novocaine. The Novocaine slash costume budget for this show. Huge. Huge. Yeah. They just have like a huge tank of Novocaine, like a barrel of Novocaine that they have to take <laughs> a <after>. barrel of Novocaine. <laughs> and just shitloads of syringes. Yeah. No, they just reuse the needle. Oh, God. It's so, used on one person. It's so dirty. It's just a black guy. Who cares? Oh, <laughs> that's even worse. That poor bastard. Oh, oh, poor bastard. All right, so there you go, everybody. That's the A-team. Uh, good job. Good job. That was fun, too. I really enjoyed reviewing that. That was cool. I look forward to doing more. Yeah, not, saying, not saying that we're going to complete the A-team, but it's just fun. No. I mean, there's only five seasons, but uh, who knows how many episodes were in a season. <laughs> 90, I want to say there's 98 episodes of the A-team. I can look real fast. Oh, really? Yeah. The A-team. There are 98 episodes of the A-team. That's not bad. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, shit, man. We, we've done a hundred and fucking, well, we've done 200 episodes of Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. Plus, uh, what, five episodes of G.I. Joe. <laughs> a couple of uh, Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah. The Twilight Zone episodes are fun, man. I just, it's just fun to talk about stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, spend yeah. times with your virtual friends. Yeah, well, you guys are real friends. You're not just virtual yeah, well, friends. We're, we're virtually spending time together. Yes, but you're still a real pal. Yeah. I, I look forward to seeing you when I go to Hampton for Hampton Con. Yeah. Maybe we can record an episode in person. Maybe because your your wife will be home. Yeah, you guys can come here. Yeah, we can hang out. Because I, I, I don't even think I'm driving into Virginia Beach because it's just too much. I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, I'm only like uh, 10, 15 minutes away from the uh, convention center there. Well, I'm going to hang out with Drew Friday night. You can come to Drew's and hang out. It's always a good time. Yeah, maybe I'll crash at your place since you got the room. <laughs> yeah. Crash in your bed. I got a king size bed waiting for you, baby. <laughs> Ooh. Push it up against the wall. There's nowhere to get away from me. <laughs> Ooh. So there you go, everybody. That's the A team. Um, door I know you are, man. It's okay. I understand. I'm, and you know what? I'll record episodes. I'll, let me watch the next A team and we'll record again this week. Because I'll hang out with you. You're, no rush, no rush. you're my pal. I appreciate it. Oh, Bobby says hi. So, He's yes. No, no, but he's so when I said I'm going to record with Mr. Dennis, and he's like, oh, Mr. Dennis. Right. No, oh, awesome. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Dennis. Yeah, please give him my regards. I will. I'll tell him tomorrow. Um, so, yeah. So, there you go. So, that's the A-Team, everybody. We'll be back uh, another time to talk more about the A-Team and Star Trek and what else. So, there you go. Uh, we'll talk to you later, and goodbye. Bye.